well in front of them. And I'm like, okay, if, if that's doing that and it's displacing the atmosphere in that area where it's creating the gravity well, then it would be reading as super cold, right? Because there's no atmosphere there. Like space is super cold because it doesn't have atmosphere. And they're doing this kind of like creating this gravity well thing to where the theory by Ashton Forbes is that it's affecting the electromagnetism of like the, the plane and the orbs that are, that are caught within this kind of gravity well rifling deal that they're doing. And it's dropping the mass of the objects to, cause like if you manipulate mass, you can manipulate how, how you experience time. Right. So like you drop the mass super quick and then all of a sudden you're capable of hitting speeds faster than light. And that's, that's what he thinks happened to that plane. Dude, how yeah. fast would that be? Just portals. And they said, didn't they? I feel like I saw it in that where he was saying how that explains why in some of those videos of the uh, UFOs that like it'll be moving and the pilots are watching and it just makes an abrupt 90 degree turn. And it yeah. explains why <clears throat> any beings or whatever in it wouldn't just be like slammed to the front during a turn. It's because they're manipulating the gravitational forces or whatever yeah because yeah. so like if, if there's if there's no atmosphere then you have no gravity and no time right or if you're if you're i'm, I'm sorry I, word, I worded i worded that wrong like if you're manipulating gravity then like there's i mean because you you need gravity to experience time right like if you don't have gravity to the point of where there's atmosphere to the point of where like you can actually experience something like time or like orbits around a planet then like there's no such thing well there's still time it's just changes based on gravitational pull yeah like the but the yeah the other thing too that i was kind of agree that was also agreeing with you is that like by manipulating the gravity and by manipulating the like by providing the lack of atmosphere then there's no abrupt stop like it's just like you're just kind of getting to the point of where you want to be and then like you just like re-expose yourself to gravity what's interesting too is we're trying to like think about this through the terms of physics that we currently understand. But obviously there's like a whole nother wave of it that we don't. So it's like, how do you wrap your mind? Like we need a whole new field of study to be able to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Wow. yeah so so does the entire container, does the entire vehicle have to be absent of gravity or would it, or of, of um, what did you say of atmosphere or could you just create a shell of atmosphereless presence around an individual Ooh. and then put them within a vehicle? I and, think it's operated. However, I, th- I think what the theory is is both. Yeah. Like that's how they're traveling is they're creating like a kind of like atmosphere, like atmosphereless bubble around them or something like that to the point yeah. where it's just like because I'm thinking you're like, just yeah. You know how they have the the shields in Dune, like the personal shields that yeah. they wear. I'm wondering if something like that, like a skin tight, atmosphereless shell that you could put around yourself that would make you resistant to the impacts of um, quick, um, nice. quick movements like that, like stopping and starting and, and so forth. Yeah. Like that's definitely one of the theories I've, I've, I mean, of all the conspiracy UFO stuff that I've watched over the last 15 years, I'm pretty sure there's groups that are working on stuff like that for like military applications too. We haven't even started the show and my mind's already blown. Yeah. <laughs> We're recording, man. This is good stuff. Nice. I haven't heard that huh? one in a while. Live in three. No, we're already live. 
Like the pre-show. We start. He's like, oh shit. We just start recording mid riff. Oh, Why don't you introduce yourself for the those that are listening, <laughs> yeah, man. you little creeper? Hey the people who are yeah. wondering. Our pre-show guest, welcome. <laughs> Hi, this is Corey Clipson. Nice to meet you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like that. I'm sure you're cool, man, but I think a lot of people are going to be pretty disappointed, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, I'm just Mike's audio engineer here, guys, so don't mind me. I will <laughs> I look at Slick. He's like, oh, fuck, it's Oppie. Slick's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know who he is. Oppie is one of the uh, stars. From- what's up, guys? What's up, guys? We're hey, gonna- Tyler, dude, and I know them. Hey, I know these guys. Yep. What's up, guys? Yes, you do. Especially right. Matt. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll back out. <laughs> all right man have a good show i will be down after we're done that was the surprise we've been teasing <laughs> hope you were here to watch it it was huge it was a november april fools <laughs> yeah if you do it on april fools everyone sees it coming they're totally kidding that's not the major announcement yeah that comes later <laughs> tell everybody hey, to um, come back i can see the viewers dropping the viewers are dropping <laughs> like, Damn it, already Oh, they're going back up. All right. Well, Opti left. I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> what are we even doing without Opti? For real, though, he is a pretty solid AV engineer from what I've seen. Well, you sound pretty great. You're taking copious notes. <laughs> it's really more of just like adding to my Amazon wish list so I can get this stuff on my own. If you are out there in Twitter spaces, go out there, tell your friends, retweet this space, and uh, bring people, bring a, bring a buddy, bring a bourbon, whatever you got out there if you are listening. And uh, if you guys are in YouTube land, the the land of oppression and, and tainted speech and everything out there, uh, go t- definitely tell your friends about this and uh, and bring another battle buddy and some more bourbon because this thing's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome tonight, man. We got uh, Corey Clipson. Uh, if you guys already missed it, you got to get here for the pre, pre-show. pre Opti was here. We've been talking about war poles and, you know, what was it, Flight uh, 370 or 730 or whatever the hell it was. MH370. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, taking a trip through time and space. I think, boy, I'll tell you what, wherever or whatever those people are doing now, let's just say they're okay. Like, can you fucking imagine being the first people to be like, oh, yeah, you know, that was us. You know, we, we showed up 15 years later. Or, I don't know, maybe some other planet or system or whatever they're doing. Who knows? Silly, silly Shane. You think those were the first people? <laughs> first people we know about. <laughs> yeah. First people to be hey, caught on recording doing it. Yeah. Hey, old salt. What's hey up? old salt hey what's up man don't run time gents have a good one <laughs> that's awesome good piece by the way um really yeah. really nice piece that was uh that was a good read yeah he's got some other good ones that are definitely going to be in the future yep i'm going to step away for half a second while yeah, we get going here is kicking off all right, we could talk about him now. This, yeah, I'm talking about you with your bald head. <laughs> so, it's we so call beautiful. That Don't tell him I said head. it, but his head is beautiful. So shiny. <laughs> it emphasizes the uh, brow ridges. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, <laughs> oh he's back. Oh, damn it. One of the coolest guys ever, really. <laughs> 
Shane's going to have to go back and watch this back to see what we said about <laughs> No way. It just sucks. <laughs> we will do anything to improve our our uh, viewership, including tricking one of our own members to watch the show again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's an extra view. Go Make ahead. sure you hit the like button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How's everybody been yeah. since last week? You guys good? Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. Staying busy? Well, I'm oh, definitely yeah. staying busy. Canada yeah. sucks, if anyone was wondering. It still sucks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful. It's kind of like California. Just It's the colder version of California. It's yeah, very beautiful was, up there. But How was your trip to uh, Nova Scotia there? It was it was awesome. And mostly because like it was me and my wife, and we just like stayed in the Airbnb. I think we went out one day and did a couple things, but we just like relaxed. It was great. Yeah. That's a that real vacation. Much needed. Yeah. It's funny though. My wife was like doing her own work. She was like, I want to get this done so that it's it's over before we go back. And then I can go back and relax. And I'm like, you're on vacation. This is the relaxing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, a little different. That's all. I always get frustrated if I go on vacation with somebody that's just like, oh, like making an itinerary. It's like, we need to do this, this, this. We're getting up early. I'm like go to hell like <laughs> i'm sleeping how long i want like it's the whole point to a vacation like get out of here i woke up early every day but i was like so well rested and i think the difference is not having a five-year-old five-year-old all over me all day long i was like oh i can wake up real early and still have a lovely day oh this is what peace is like yeah it changes things not having a five-year-old yeah <laughs> that's it right there man <laughs> just getting away from the five-year-old Mm. Oh, who we got out there? We got uh, Aaron and Wade and Chris and who else we got? We got Money. And I'll tell you what, Money, you show up every every time, man. We appreciate that. And uh, we also got Clark out there. You guys, welcome on Twitter Spaces. Uh, we got about four minutes until the show starts. Our uh, our guest of honor will probably be uh, coming in here fairly soon, I imagine. Uh, Alex is. Uh, you you did send him our our link. <laughs> Should we need, do we need to send that building the suspense? <laughs> hey, while we're waiting, man, I will say that um, I had a chance to meet some of our some of our Bitcoin veterans in person in El Salvador that I hadn't met before, and we've got some some cool guys, man. Um, we hung out down there with Scott Lindbergh, um, Andrew Howard was down there, Bill Stebbins um, was down there, Asher was down there, and most of them were, were down there speaking. So I got to see them speak live. It was just, it was cool. We've got some, some really, really, um, we got some high caliber individuals in our ranks that are doing some, some really kick-ass stuff. So it was good. And I got to meet Jethro down there. Awesome guy. Um, I mean, he was there for all of it. I mean, he was throwing questions at everybody. He was engaged. He was, he was, uh, pumping us up. It was, uh, it was really good to hang out with him. So, uh, shout out to Jethro and, uh, and everybody that was down there. It was a cool event. That's awesome. Yeah. Andrew Howard's pretty intense guy, huh? He's a good dude, man. He's (laughs) a good dude. He's, He's great. Uh, shout out to AC out there, Randy Kelly in the uh, the Twitter Spaces audience. Man, uh, appreciate you guys showing up too. What's up, Randy Kelly? What's up, Randy? I've Randy. recommended that book to probably like ten or twelve people since uh, he came out and t- chatted with us. Multiple so people getting... in in the uh, chat have been talking about his the book he recommended last week. 
drawing the blank on the name now. Uh, like going off the grid. Yeah. I've got it it's on my cool to, counter over there. It just showed up this last Friday. I'll tell you nice. what, it's, I, when we were joining uh, this, we're putting together this group, I didn't realize it was also a book club. I mean, the <laughs> the veracity that you guys read books at is awesome. I mean, it's really cool. Like you, you've got your books you want to read. And then you've got all the books that are being recommended, you know, just by this this group of guys. And they're, I mean, they're page turners. So it's like you just you hammer through these things. And, you know, if you've got a small trip or something, you can get maybe a, two books in in a, in a weekend or something. I, I came out of last weekend after, uh, what was it, uh, The Way of Men. And I think I just uh, got most of the way through with uh, uh, Bitcoin as Venice as well. Holy, Ooh. that is a... Those are really, really great books, by the way. Good yeah. recommendations. That's Alan awesome. Farrington is a word wizard, that's for sure. I highly recommend to people if not not everyone can do this, uh, just not their their thing with a book. But if you do like the audio books and you crank that thing up to like two x, or like you might need to like work your way into it. Some people like find it annoying, but if you just start clicking it up a little bit faster and a little bit faster, you can blow through some books. And it, for me at least, like listening to it, it, it sinks in just as well as maybe even better than actually reading it. Um, that's a good way to just, like plow through some books. That's I, never it. I never thought about Anyways. working up to 2x. I've been doing 1.2. 1.5 yeah, is a bit much. I was at like one and a half. I was listening to, I was listening and reading to The Fund, the book that Preston recommended <laughs> at like one and a half. And it just felt like it was taken so, like it wasn't that big of a book and it felt like it was taking a while. So I just slowly started like click, click, click. And then I got up to where I was at like 2.2. And I started reading on the way back from Nova Scotia. I picked up um, when McKinsey comes to town, it's about, the consultant, the world's biggest consulting firm, McKinsey. <laughs> yeah. And I crushed that in like one day just because I was at 2.2 listening to it. And that was, those were two really good books to read at the same time. Like one is this biggest, world's biggest hedge fund that's investing in all these companies. And then one's the biggest consulting firm that's telling all these companies how to operate. And you see kind of, when you come at it, I think from the perspective that we have and our audience has, um, you kind of see how like, oh, this is how these WEF and like, this is how they get these programs kind of going. And it doesn't have to be a centralized controlled thing. It's just, here's some companies and this is the author authoritarian way of thinking that they run their companies filters out into how they think a business should be run or how to invest in things. And it's just interesting to see how that can permeate the culture of both the company, but then whoever they work with. It's, yeah. It's interesting. That's, that's, where, that's where my mind went. I was like, especially when they're influencing and providing counsel to other companies, which is like their big breadwinner, right? McKinsey, yeah. like consulting. Yeah. It's like, so they're influencing how other companies are orchestrated and structured and yep. Yeah. And, and governments that are McKinsey. also working with the governments. Speaking of McKinsey, that guy, what is it? <laughs> used to work for McKinsey. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's not going to help the Bohemian Grove people yeah. out there. <laughs> the plot thickens. Walk the Thunderdome, Corey. All those, all, those, all those goddamn trees, man. What's up with the trees? We were just saying we we haven't been invited to any of this shit, Corey. We're feeling a little left out, man. Feeling left out. What's up? I I think I'm left out too. I have never made the trip to Miami. I assume that the I assumed that that's kind of ground central for the orgies, but <laughs> all I know is our salespeople keep moving to Florida, so there must be something going on. <laughs> must be the orgies. That's the thing. Yeah. Welcome. Oh, Good Thanks to have you. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> Yeah, Love here we go. Yeah, look at that. Uh, so let me see. So I know, I know, Mike, Shane, Gabe, Alex, Jordan. Have you and I met in person before? Oh, you'd know. <laughs> we did briefly at a PB. At PB. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Remember your Out face. Out at the Swan event. Hell yeah! That's not a Swan event. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the proper name. It's okay. It's a celebration of Bitcoin. It's a festival of Bitcoin yes. of sorts near the Pacific. Yeah, I wish I could have made it to that one. That looked like a lot of fun. Uh, man. That conference I, I've never been to. I, mean, I changed shirts amazing. before I came on here, you guys. I, it uh, looks great. I love I the a, blue Actually, it's kind of a dope shirt, but it's just a regular blue button down for a, for a breakfast this morning. And I was like, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate for this. And I was thinking that I should wear the uh, Say Crypto One More Time t-shirt. That's always, <laughs> that's always a winner. Or maybe it could be the uh, my Plan B 100 trillion USD shirt. All your models are destroyed. Yes. But uh, I decided to just go with the uh, Bitcoin for America t-shirt. Yeah, that's perfect. Well played. <laughs> A little bit of America in there, America Bitcoin. You guys ready to kick this pig? Yeah, I'm gonna get hyped. Let's do it. Welcome to Bitcoin Veterans, everybody. I'm your host, Shane Hazel, along with Jordan, Alex, Mike, and Gabe, our special guest tonight. He is the CEO of SWAN. Uh, I don't think he's a stranger to anybody out there. He's also a partner in the Bitcoin Ventures, Elizante Capital, and the Bitcoin Opportunity Fund. Uh, he has done a bunch of angel investing in over 60 tech companies. Uh, he's a family man. He is a baller. And uh, we are absolutely just excited as hell to have you here, Corey. Thanks for making time to do this. I have been excited about this all week, gentlemen. <laughs> thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. All week. We just announced it Monday. That's <laughs> We do everything last minute. What are you talking about? That's the entire week. Uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've uh, been looking forward to it too. You know, there's a there's a lot of synergies I think 
that are going on here, both between Bitcoin veterans and what we're going to talk about tonight, which is the race to avoid the war. And uh, I'm pretty fired up to get into it. Hell yeah, man. It fits. It's a natural next step in the conversation, I think. And that's actually, that's one of the things, first things, and I know we're going to get into it, but um, yeah, that whole, uh, your whole approach to the, to the race to avoid the war has been, I mean, that was in, in my beginning phases of really starting to dig in that caught my, and uh, caught my attention and, and uh, brought me into the mission as well. But um, hell yeah, it's good to be here. And by the way, with the shirts, you know, I know you got a couple of them there. If, if you get tired of that one and want to switch them out and kind of rotate through, we're going to be fine with that, man. We won't complain. I might do the same. It's okay. As long as you change on camera. On camera, that's the key, yeah. right? It, it's mandatory for this show. It's in the policy somewhere. So We're going to be I, starting you know, OnlyFans. I, I, I could see the uh, the Bitcoin Twitter rumors now. <laughs> Corey getting I am, on Bitcoin veterans. I'm mostly upset that I got the memo that I was supposed to have bourbon at my side because I would have done it at home with the, with the bookshelves and the other set with the bourbon in behind me. Ooh. <sighs> next time so why don't i have whiskey at the office like yeah that's the real problem office. like what's i don't get yeah. it Those you better two. talk to the boss about that yeah <laughs> definitely so uh do you guys want to dig into like uh this whole thing about the race to avoid the war i think it's pretty important I, it, it's probably one of the most important things in my opinion out there and it's also like so the bitcoin veterans crew you know, we take the mission pretty seriously because we really believe like this is a big deal. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of crossover there in that because uh, that race to avoid the war thing is pretty, pretty serious. Now, we're going to have a lot of fun with this here throughout the show, but I mean, that's an important thing. Why don't we uh, roll into that? I'm ready to go. Here we are. We Bitcoiners are in a race, perhaps the most important race we will ever run. We are racing against time to drive the adoption of Bitcoin as fast as we can. We are racing toward a future in which the US government never coordinates a concerted attack against Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. This is a race to avoid a war. Let's be clear, Bitcoin is going to win no matter what. Bitcoin is the best money we've ever had. Its properties were purpose built to enable it to function as the primary store of value, medium of exchange, and unit of account for every human and machine on planet Earth. It is designed to withstand and survive all attacks, and in fact, gets stronger when challenged. Bitcoin is replacing money that is already in the process of collapse, money that would collapse independently of Bitcoin's existence. Bitcoin is engineered to be the orderly, anti-fragile alternative to a chaotic collapse. How far into the future does Bitcoin's victory reside as money for all of the world? It could be as soon as the 2030s, but only if we sprint hard. And what if we lose this race? Although Bitcoin is destined to win, if we lose the race to avoid the war, victory will be far more costly. This would be the long way and the hard way. Instead of a sprint into a bright orange future, we would be embroiled in a long, hard confrontation with a government desperate to hold on to the power of the monetary printing press. If we lose the race, the long, hard path will be a war in which hundreds of millions of people will suffer the decivilizing and impoverishing effects of hyperinflation. So for those of us alive, for those of us ready and able now, it is vitally important to run this race as well as possible. How do we do this? There are many ways. 
First, we drive adoption forward. Nearly three years ago, we launched SWAN with the mission to recruit 10 million Bitcoiners, which we referred to as the intransigent minority. These are people who store a meaningful amount of their net worth in the Bitcoin protocol and who understand it well enough to want to fight for it. We are fully committed to both of these goals, enabling Bitcoin acquisition and building Bitcoin comprehension. Together, these are what build the intransigent minority. Furthermore, when Bitcoiners develop privacy and scaling technology for Bitcoin, we make it substantially more challenging for anti-coiners to make the case that a war on Bitcoin is winnable. When more of us demonstrate the unmatched power of Lightning Network payments in small nations, influential legislators and bankers in the US take note and are far less likely to support an adversarial strategy towards Bitcoin. Whenever a Bitcoiner writes a book or makes a video tutorial, they push Bitcoin that much further ahead in this race of races. When Bitcoiners excel in their fiat jobs, consistently pushing more and more of their weekly paychecks into their Bitcoin savings accounts, they push the number go up technology to new heights, pulling in more grassroots adoption. All of these activities move us toward the inevitable success of Bitcoin on this rational, collaborative, and peaceful yet revolutionary path. However, when people lie about Bitcoin and Bitcoiners in order to line their pockets with altcoin pump and dump gains, they make war on Bitcoin that much more likely. When they fund misinformation campaigns with millions of ill-gotten dollars, they increase the likelihood of a fight that can and should be avoided for the sake of all human civilization. When others bury their heads in the sand and pretend that gold can still do what it has been proven unable to do in a modern global digital economy, they hold back others who understand the benefits of sound money but haven't yet learned to distinguish gold from Bitcoin, a sound money that works exceptionally well in our physical and digital global reality. Bitcoiners must stand up and call out those who actively slow Bitcoin's adoption because they risk knocking us off our path toward the peaceful adoption of a sound global monetary standard, which the world needs as soon as possible. All these activities are parts of our historic collaborative effort to guide civilization on the best of all possible paths. We write code, we educate, we help others, we donate, we stack, and we build all to win the race against the war. As Michael Saylor declared so eloquently, you don't want to be a martyr, you want to be a winner. So let us proceed together, united yet decentralized, and win this race for one and for all so that we may never have to fight this war. Join us on the mission. Anything that you can do to help Bitcoin run faster is good for the world. Anything that you can do to make it very scary for the other guys and slow them down is good for the mission. Get on the mission. Let's do this. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. That's inspiring stuff, man. 100% credit to uh, Mr. Sanzik for uh, Get on the Mission. That is uh, a sign off that he came to know and love on Cafe Bitcoin. And uh, we adopted as a company in a conference. And me personally had to be there. Way to go, brother. I'd say I'm speechless, but that barely ever happens. Um, <laughs> I, I read, I think I got into this uh, sometime over the holidays last year. And when I, when I saw, you know, the, the title, I was immediately just drawn in, you know, and, and the, the idea that we have the ability now to, to, to kind of short circuit, you know, what could happen if there wasn't an alternative, uh, you know, parallel, you know, system for us to exchange our, our lives with is, is, you know, it just struck me like a, you know, a, a load of bricks. 
I, I got to say, this is one of the more profound pieces I've ever read, you know, read in Bitcoin. I think it is, you know, obviously as a, a combat vet to understand, you know, what is at stake and what the horrors are behind, you know, war, the depravity, the, you know, the, 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 just the, the mutilation by the state at such a mass scale that most people don't understand. This is a fantastic write-up. It's a, it's a great video to watch if you're out there and you're just hearing this. Uh, go out there and watch it. It is, it is extremely well done, and uh, it's stirring, to say the least. Well, what I can't help, what I couldn't help, like every time I've watched that clip, because it's been a couple times now, um, what I can't help but think about is like there's obviously that, Shane, like defunding like the, the whole MIC and the, the political swamp and all that stuff, but where my mind honestly goes more primarily is to the reorganization of capital to allow for really good functional projects and products to actually be built that would maybe, you know, spit in the face of the narrative that this particular system or um, ecosystem of systems would have preferred to keep kind of like hampered down or compartmentalized. And, you know, what, what's that term uh, like corporate shelving where they just get acquired and then parked off to the side and never done anything with again. That's what I get excited about because that there's a lot of stuff out there that I think Bitcoiners are going to be funding in the future that is going to be really revolutionary in a lot of different respects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Coinfather just threw up a comment um, and, I, and it says, um, Corey, the video gives me goosebumps and just puts me in a great mood. I want to go out and work on orange pilling everyone. And and I believe that he he's probably um, hopping in his vehicle to go do that right now. That dude is, <laughs> that guy's awesome. The dude is um, awesome. No joke. Oh, yeah, man. Merch guy, actually. Yeah, yeah. all the, the hats and all that. He's the dude. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna echo what he said too, man. It's um it, it's like a it's a rally cry, and that's what it was to me when I saw it. Um, and it's you know, it, it, with my story, you know, my my father actually was was uh, instrumental in orange billing me, which, um, you know, he's he's an older dude. Um, he's a you know he's a salty old Vietnam vet, and um, that was I mean that video was actually huge for me to to reach the understanding of how important the bitcoin mission is and that and it brought me to further from the understanding of okay this is this is money this is an opportunity it's a store of value that's cool but it was it, it was this it was this message that brought me to that level of really getting fired up and more of just okay this is something i should be buying and storing to this is a mission and this is about freedom and I believe that it speaks that message to anyone that sees it. And, and that's and that's where I start with the message that I'm that I'm bringing to other veterans that I talk to is this is more than just money. This is more than just saving. This is this is really about freedom. And this is what's at stake. And I'll show them that video and I'll send them the link to it. And that's the response that I get too. they're like, holy shit, man, this is this is important. You know, and you use the word decivilizing in there. And when we, you know, any of us that have been in situations and environments that have experienced that decivilizing of the population, it's not a place where any of us want to be. And it's not a world that any of us want our kids to grow up in. And so I believe that's why it speaks so, so strongly to veterans is that we'll do anything that we have to do to prevent that from happening. You know, and it, it's it's like you said with um, Sailor, his comment about, you know, we don't want to be martyrs. 
we want to freaking win. And it reminds me of the, the quote, you know, we, we, yeah, we don't want to die for our country. We want to make the other son of a bitch die for his. And that's, that's the approach that we're taking. And I, and I think that that's why it speaks so strongly to so many people in general, but particularly why it speaks so strongly to veterans. I love that. You got it. Yeah, you well, get me, Gabe. You understand me. <laughs> Corey, what what got you to the point where you came to the conclusion that we need to do this thing, the race to avoid the war? Like, and I know you're a family guy. Yeah. So I know you have um there's a lot of important motivations there. Yeah. <sighs> It's possible that it gets ugly. It's not a certainty that it gets ugly. And we can actually affect what percentage goes into each bucket dramatically through our efforts and through how we think about it and how we engage with the world around us. You know, this has been talked about since Bitcoin's almost since inception. You know, I think they started talking about the social layer, you know, probably by 2010 or something like that. Um, and that's kind of what this is. This is winning on the social layer so that you don't have to have a dark period. Um, that's, that's what it's all about for me. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we could remain civilized and that people just came to understand Bitcoin and what it is and weren't reactive and didn't marshal the forces of the state department and everything else that the state department influences and controls and the five eyes and the panopticon and CBDCs and, you know, Warren and friends and, and all of this. And it just never, it never coalesced and congealed into something that was actually pointed with the tip of the spear against Bitcoin. Wouldn't it be nice if we just were able to dissipate that force before it ever collects and comes against us? Uh, I would much rather have that path for Bitcoin and it's very possible. Uh, there are people that, that don't think that it's possible. I disagree with them. I also honor them. And that's that a big part of that art article was honoring the people that protect the downside and make sure that Bitcoin is ready for a dark period if it goes that way. Uh, yeah. I think that we need both approaches. But, you know, separation of labor dictates that some people need to be fighting the fight of trying to make sure it never happens and other people need to be focused on what if it does happen and I, whatever my my skills and experience and things that i'm good at and things that i like to do and people that i know i am you know well equipped to be one of the fighters trying to, or one of the racers i should say one of the racers trying to avoid that fight and trying to make it not happen so that's what i'm trying to do as much as possible i'm trying to recruit the people from the government, from the banks, from the broad population and massive numbers from people around the world and and get them all into Bitcoin and get them loving Bitcoin, get them owning Bitcoin uh, so that it just looks completely unassailable and it's political suicide and career suicide in any branch of the government to try to attack this thing. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that last part, Corey, because like... <laughs> I, I haven't understood the arguments that are out there for focusing the orange pilling conversation into one particular group, right? Like, cause if you want to get to that point of avoiding the war or avoiding it getting ugly, like you want 
the conversation to permeate across as many different sectors and cultures and projects and countries and socioeconomic statuses and every like you want it everywhere just like you're describing because you want it to be rel at least the basics understood so that like you can avoid a lot of these kind of like negative feedback loops that have the, the opportunity of building to the point of where it actually gets ugly i don't think enough people like comprehend that over the last four years uh we've raised money for swan you know through a number of different rounds i've had hundreds of conversations with investors the question that uh someone can ask when i know for sure that they're not going to invest if this comes up is who's your target audience <laughs> as if there's like some fucking kind of persona that needs better money wow <laughs> everyone <laughs> if some uh, at a VC or tech sister asks like, who's your target audience? Like, what's your user persona? I'm like, you don't understand this thing at all. Do you? <laughs> it's been nice to meet you. I'll get the coffee. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I think, uh, I think the cool thing that Bitcoin veterans can bring to this is you're talking about, you know, the runner, the person that's, you know, racing to avoid the war versus the, the fighter mentality. Right. And I think what's very little known in, in most of our society is how peace driven that veterans are. Like if there is a, is, if there's a mission we can get on that fights for peace, we would much rather take that route. We've seen what the other side of that fight looks like. But we also have people in the community that might have the other take that like, hey, if things aren't that great, like we're ready for that, too. And I think that's something that we will be very good at bringing to the table. Um, like, all right, this this is not going to help some of these conspiracy theory people out there, all the tree people. But like I was trained to work with a government or work against a government and in some of my training, we would we would meet up with, uh, you know, local businesses. Right. Like I I met one of the, uh, the CEOs of a hospital to like work with him to figure out how we could use his facilities if shit hit the fan. Right. And but that's not it doesn't that's not a bad thing. Like you should be working and meeting with businesses that you can help amplify, especially if there is a peaceful weapon that can be used or a peaceful tool that can be used to prevent all of this. And when we can kind of do that in a very open and transparent way and say like, look, we're, we very much want peace. Who's going to, who's going to say, Oh, this group of veterans over here, they're just trying to start some crap. Like, no, we're fighting for peace harder than anyone else. I got a question for you, Corey. You obviously work on a an international stage in front of all of us, and we see you know we see the fruits of that in in, in Swan and, and a whole lot of other organizations that are out there. Um, when when you get a chance and you're just you know kind of with the family hanging out, uh, as as any other Bitcoiner might be, do you do you talk Bitcoin on a, on a local level? You try to orange pill the the locals, kind of like the beef uh, the beef, beef initiative and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes up often, uh, largely because I don't really know much about any other subject anymore. It's all kind of <laughs> about five to six years dated at this point. 
you know, I could talk about the 2017 NFL season or something, but nobody really cares anymore. It's got Bitcoin on the brain. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I try not to hard sell as much as I used to. I think that's kind of a natural progression that people go through when you I mean, I, I used to be incorrigible. Maybe that's where my name actually came from. Uh, but, yeah, it's just just bludgeon people with, with Bitcoin when I first really got into it. So, you know, 18, 19, 20, it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, in a good way. Uh, they all remember me now and they're all in Bitcoin now and, you know, but they're left with an impression that they got into Bitcoin in spite of me in some way. <laughs> I was a little, we'll take it. Of course yeah. it's their own idea. It's yeah. gotta be their own idea. It's their own idea. It has to be and lead them to water and they got to drink from the, uh, it's hard to start drinking orange water. I don't have a lot of faith to start doing that. Um, and yeah, I think now it's like, you know, there's obviously tons and tons of social gatherings around kids. And so you're around other parents constantly, right? For sports, for dance. I got two girls, uh, birthday parties, whatever. I mean, it's just all the time. Plus the adults have birthday parties and things out here and, um, you know, family things. And, you know, it, it comes up. I feel like it's, at this point, it's probably more that it ends up being 40, 50% of the conversation for me in a party of three or four hours. It's half of it because that's how many people ask me about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm into it and they're kind of watching and they, they watch YouTube or the dad, you know, lurks on Twitter or whatever it is, you know, you just kind of <laughs> run into people all the time that are aware there's this Bitcoin thing going on and, you know, it's just, uh, it's something that just naturally comes up. And, you know, I think it's, um, I just try to find out kind of where the edge of their knowledge is and then just give them one more thing. That's kind of my, my goal is where I'm like, you know, I'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Peter's pod is awesome. I love Peter's pod. You ever, ever tried out Stefan Lavera? You know, and just get him like, one more, one more notch down the funnel. To understanding everything, you <laughs> Progressive know? overload is what we would call that working out. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's what, a great point, Mike. Just challenge yourself. If you're, if you're comfortable with a space, maybe go challenge yourself to learn a, a new space with somebody new. I mean, yeah. Steve, is, Steve is a great guy to learn something new from for sure. Yeah. Hey, I was going to, I was going to ask Corey, uh, so I definitely agree with you on that approach. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, do you enjoy the conversations that get accidentally directed towards a Bitcoin conversation as much as I do? Because like I was telling the guys, I think last episode, probably on multiple episodes now at this point, but like <clears throat> I had an uh, aunt and uncle <clears throat> reach out to me to, um, they saw just some of my ranting on Facebook about like geopolitics and whatnot. And they started asking, they're like, do you know what's going on with like this whole CBDC thing? And like, what's going on with this one belt, one road initiative? I'm like, uh, this is going to be a long conversation. Like I, they're like, okay, you can come out for dinner and you can like rant to us. And it turned into a three hour spiel, basically justifying why I'm, I've been so interested in Bitcoin and non-existent in the family for the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you can, you can choose to move a conversation in that direction when the threads are there or not. And so it kind of depends on <laughs> yeah. how up for it I am. 
how long the day has been or whatever. And you know that anytime somebody's talking about investing or finance or geopolitics or history, it could be like, oh, did you know they used the dinar back then? I mean, it's like almost anything, <laughs> any topic, you can just slip it in there if you want to take it in that direction. And, you know, sometimes I kind of want to, and so I do. And sometimes I uh, maybe just not up for it. It's probably just based on energy level. Yeah, you know? I, I agree with that. Yeah, totally understand that too. It is not, by the way, I do feel like it's kind of my obligation if I have the energy <laughs> to do it. So it's not, it's not that there's a second level choice. It's do I have the energy or not? If I have the energy, I'm fucking doing it. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have the energy, then maybe I won't. But. Which is probably so, dependent on how many people you've talked to about Bitcoin that day. Like you're the fourth dude. I'm I'm tapped out. Could be. Could be. <laughs> All right. So so for people who are new to this concept of the race to avoid the war, can you dig a little deeper, Corey, into this concept of the intransigent minority? Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, I wrote about the intransigent minority in the original mission statement of Swan that I published in February of 2020. That one is called uh, 10 million Bitcoiners. And it was what it did. It told you basically what needed to happen, but it didn't tell it, I didn't share how I thought that would be possible. And so that, that's why the race to avoid the war kind of elucidated my view on how everyone can participate and be part of this this race to avoid the war. So the concept of an intransigent minority uh, has been around for a long time, but I think it became popular in, in mainstream culture uh, with the work of Nassim Taleb, the, uh, the Bitcoin hater, who also is a, a great summarizer and explainer of classical thought. Um, so he's just, you know, a very, very well-read guy and he's really amazing with a pen. And so he's like a good chronicler and, and I think he did a great job of bringing forth some of the, the knowledge that was lost to people who didn't get, you know, that, that classical liberal education from the Ivies or like Eton Cambridge or whatever. And all you have to do is read like five short books from Taleb and you get 80% of it. So it's a really effective way to kind of get up to speed with how humans with an individualistic bent and a rational view kind of have seen the world historically. Uh, which has been lost to us a lot over the last 100, 150 years of schooling, you know, post-industrialization. Um, so I think that is a big reason why a lot of people who were into Taleb in the aughts were also ready for Bitcoin and started to look for parallels, you know, in the in the system of thought between the two. Uh, he personally doesn't really live like a Bitcoiner. He's kind of a polemicist and kind of talks out of his ass a lot on Twitter and obviously doesn't understand Bitcoin at all. And so that hasn't worked out so well for him and his reputation. But nevertheless, this concept of the intransigent minority that he put in some of the books uh, makes a ton of sense. And basically what we've seen historically is that in a society uh, where there are like different, different views, if one group of people is intransigent, just won't bend on the thing that they care about the most, you only need three to 4% of the population to just care about that thing the most and just not bend on it for the rest of society to just go along with it and be like, yeah, that's fine. We, yeah. 
we're okay with that. That's fine. We're going to die on this hill. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the example is like, you know, how many kosher foods we have in the U.S. or how many halal restaurants there are in the U.K. It's because there's an intransigent minority that just won't buy that thing or eat that thing. And it just doesn't matter enough. It's not different enough in flavor. It's not too expensive as far as the inputs to make it that way, to make a lot of things kosher in the U.S. or to make a lot of things halal in the U.K. is just easier than the other thing. Um, you know, it's arguable, but there are, you know, certainly, uh, you know, religions that came to dominate certain cultures or certain nations over time because they were just more intransigent than the others. It's very possible yeah. that this was responsible for the rise of Christianity globally versus other religions and, and the more recent rise of Islam as well. So, you know, there, there is a lot to be learned from that. And so that math for us is, you know, 330 million people, call it 250 million adults, something like that. Let's say, you know, three to 4% of that needs to be really into Bitcoin. I defined it as, and I think this is the right definition for what matters to not have the, the tip of the state department and friends spear pointed at Bitcoiners is own a decent chunk of your net worth in Bitcoin and care about it enough to fight for it. Like show up at town halls, work for the candidate against the anti-Bitcoin candidate, things like that. So just being willing to fight for it and actually have that incentive with the financial upside of, of wanting to maintain your, your um, value that you've stored in the protocol. And so if you have those two things, you know, that should win. Uh, and again, that I think was, that is the, that is, that's the lever. Those people are the lever that tips this thing and makes sure we never have to fight the war. But it yeah. doesn't explain the role that everybody else plays. And that's why I was really happy to finally see kind of what was missing uh, from, from the thesis that it didn't give everybody else enough to do if they're not in the USA and they're not just buying Bitcoin or the, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's why I think the update was necessary. And I'd been writing about it and formulating it kind of the whole year of 2022 as we were going through the crypto crashes and I was battling against Pomp and Doquan and Mashinsky and SBF and all these guys. And, um, you know, I think it was, uh, I think I gave the speech before writing it actually, maybe not, maybe I'd written it, but not published it. I can't remember the order. Yeah. So let me, I should rephrase that. It's not that we are going to die on this hill is that we are willing yeah. if necessary to die on this hill. So if, if I'm not mistaken, the intransigent minority concept is actually the reason the, the United States was born because back at the time of the, of the, uh, the revolution, the revolutionary war, it was only like 3% of the population that did the fighting. Those were the people that were willing to lay it down yeah, to be free, which by the way, dovetails into what I think is the Bitcoin veterans mission. Like a lot of these guys, all of them have signed the dotted line to basically say, look, if it comes down to it, I will put my life on the line, stand in the gap, do what I need to do for what I think is important. And the cool thing about this new mission is, is like, wow, this is a way we can do this without bloodshed. Very powerful. Well, and the other thing too is that 
I have been extremely fascinated at how like just the whole like Bitcoin mission and the Bitcoin community and Bitcoin ethos has attracted a lot of people that tend to agree on a lot of just kind of like very basic kind of human organization principles, right? Like between like masculinity, sense of honor, integrity, which are obviously all important to all of like the, the entire veteran like community, but it's just having all of these different combinations of like just almost like attraction vectors and bringing it to the point of what Alex was talking about with like having guys that are willing to stand up and like, no, like you, what you believe this thing is, is wrong. We're going to stand here and like resist and not necessarily like we don't need to fight, but we're just going to stand here and just pester you basically and annoy you because we're not going to get out of the way until you start to hear us out. And then like things are going to get really interesting once the logic starts to click. When Corey was talking about the intransigent minority, um, all I could think of was last week was Preston talking about how the market for Bitcoin had just hit this bottom and it didn't matter like how much they got beat over the head. Like this group of people just was not going to sell. And that was what was keeping the price and to identify like how important that that is. And like, that's all I could picture when you were talking about the intransigent minority was that's what we already, we already have a section of that. What we just need to do is continue to make it bigger. And I think it's going to be really important in the next cycle. We're going to, I think we're going to have a lot of people come in, but how do we get them to be committed? Yep. So, uh, <laughs> is that my is that my camera temperature is high? That is the, that is a first on Bitcoin. your trees on fire. Yeah. <laughs> your trees on fire. Corey's over there internally mining Bitcoin as we speak, and uh, his his fan quit on him or some shit, and his temperature is too high. <laughs> That's. <laughs> It's a, good, it's, it's a good time for us to talk about some things. Uh, hey, if you're out there in the audience and you're on Twitter Spaces or Twitter or YouTube or, you know, if you're still over there on Facebook, you know, we, we love you. But uh, go out there and smash the like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, and, and, and maybe retweet this space if you're out there. Uh, we're trying to bring, obviously, more people into the space uh, so that uh, the, the word gets out to that 3%. You know, that's that's what we're all about. So go out there and do that. Um, other than that, we do this uh, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, we would love to make you a regular. So uh, subscribe and you'll get notified when that happens. But yeah, we, we've we got a lot going on in this space. Uh, we've got a huge announcement that we're going to save for the end of the show. And we're, we're not going to be coy about it. Like we're going to save it till the end of the show so that you're here the entire damn time. Like that's just the, the way we roll. <laughs> Like I said, we're transparent. Um, I'm on I'm on nostril cam here with the laptop. So, you know, <laughs> ready, for, ready for it. So that's one thing that's code. really one thing that's really fascinating to me is is that so we started Bitcoin Veterans back in June, and this thing has like been in nonstop acceleration mode ever since then. I had no idea uh, this was going to blow up the way it has. It's gotten really yeah. kind of wild. Uh, it's taken on a life of its own. It's growing extremely fast. We've started up 11 different chat groups. Um, there's hundreds of veterans involved and more joining every single day. Um, 
it's just it's just a wild thing. We've got all these different initiatives that are spinning up. It's not a top down thing. There are these guys that are veterans. Some of the we got a lot of active duty guys, by the way, too. And we encourage yeah. people who are um, also first responders to get involved with us. We we're, we're open, you know. So if you're in, if you're a Bitcoiner, or if you're even Bitcoin curious, and you're in the military, active duty, a veteran, first responder, whatever, connect with us because we want to hook up with you. But anyway. The initiatives that have spun up are are amazing. Like so far, we've got Operation Bitcoin, which we're going to talk about in a minute with with Gabe. He's leaving leading that mission. We've got the Brave mission, which is a PTSD mission that that Shane is leading. There's other things that we're doing with that as well. There's the Warrior Project, which is something I'm working on. We're doing a private security initiative. There's going to be veteran resources for homeless, suicide, PTSD outreach type stuff. Shane just connected, and I'll let him talk about this in a minute, but with a really large marine organization, there's a really good chance that we're going to be launching a um, contingency work groups organization. Bill Stebbin, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, we've launched an intelligence section. And this is all happening organically. Like None of us are like telling these guys what to do. They're just spinning it up, and it's awesome. I guess I'll take a second and talk about those 9,000 Marines. So had a uh, great conversation with the uh, the founder, uh, Mark Holm, from the United States Marine Corps uh, Business Network. And they are about 9,000 strong. They're projecting to be 10,000 strong by the end of the year. And I uh, got to sit down with him and, and have a wonderful conversation yesterday. He's a very, you know, just, you know, a, a go-getter, just like you, you would imagine from a lot of uh, Marines. He's a 03 uh, for the Marines that are non-Marines that are out there, uh, a grunt. So a guy that's been through the, the worst of it and uh, just kind of serendipitously kind of happened upon uh, a, a conversation where I found his network and I said, hey, you know, it's probably worth reaching out to because if there's anybody I can count on, uh, it's a group of Marines, especially the the entrepreneurs that are out there that are moving and shaking and they've got their hands into their communities that are providing services and goods and 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 just have have figured out, you know, what they're doing outside of the military space now in the civilian space. And uh, to have that orange pilling conversation in that serendipitous moment, uh, it was, you know, just one of those things where I think I got a, a, out of it. it probably as much as he did. And it was, you know, a give and take where, uh, the, the piece of this that's fitting is people are looking, people are seeking, people are really open to the idea right now that their, their money's failing. They're, they're, they're seeing the prices of everything go up, which makes it harder to make the rent. It makes it harder to make paychecks for the people that they're, you know, that they're employing. It makes, it makes life harder for the average man, woman, and child here in the United States that really just want to live their lives in peace. And so to be able to add these guys uh, to our network and to this mission that we're all on together is really something fascinating, and I got to thank you know uh, you know obviously Corey for starting Swan and and you know the, the position that I occupy over there. Uh, this is what an incredible opportunity to reach out you know from not only a personal level but an organizational level, and then obviously also with the Bitcoin veterans to to kind of push this thing. And I, I will tell you that the, the one comment that really stuck with me is. Hey, Shane, you know, the fact that, you know, I've been seeking this and I've been looking 
and I really haven't found anything. And you're a Marine and you have this laundry list of accolades and everything else, not to mention you guys are, you know, on this mission, you're, you're well-spoken and there's no bullshitting about this is something that I think is going to fill the gap for a lot of the guys out there that are, have been maybe somewhat more nihilistic in the past and now have this just bright beacon orange of, you know, just pure hope, which is, I I think, uh, you know, just such a credit to, not only this organization of Bitcoin veterans, but uh, to you, uh, you know, Corey and the and the group over there, I think 140 ish strong at Swan. So, you know, kudos to, to you and, and hats off. I mean, how do you how do you feel about this this organization that you've you've you know kind of bootstrapped put together and now is just out there firing down all cylinders? Well, first, I am just um, beyond thrilled to see the rise of the veterans in the space and interested in Bitcoin and helping. I just think it's, uh, it's one of those communities that I've always, um, felt a strong affinity for, uh, with two grandfathers, uh, that fought in the South Pacific in world war two. And, you know, just hearing their stories and reading their war journals, uh, it's just been something that's been part of my life, um, since I was a kid. Um, in particular, it's actually interesting. My, my father and mother uh, are still alive and they just flew back to Seattle a few hours ago. And his father was uh, head of comms on a carrier in the South Pacific. So he basically would like stand next to the Admiral, uh, and, and just, you know, there'd be like kamikaze pilots coming in and he, his first instinct would be like to shit himself and run for cover, but the Admiral's still standing there like this, not giving a fuck. And he was like, well, I guess that's the fucking way it is. And he'd just go stand back to him and get out his notepad and, and, and keep taking notes. Cause you know what, if you're going to fucking die, you're going to die. And, uh, you know, the fact that he wrote every day, the whole time that he was in service. And I now have these diaries, you know, digitized and typed up. My dad did it about 20 years ago. Um, it's just cool to, to have that connection and, and understand what that is. And, and I didn't, I didn't get, my own personal affinity for, for the life of service in that way until I was much, much, much older. I think I was just, you know, raised different, all about arts and science and sports and, you know, very liberal left coast. And so I just didn't, I didn't understand the whole military thing and the veterans and and everything until I was much older. And then I kind of, you know, you dig into history and you understand what it's meant, um, you know, to give us what we got essentially the sacrifices and, and the culture. And then you, you dig into the differences between the humans that associate with the different branches and just like how that's all just the whole other thing to unpack and how fun that is to dig in and you make friends and you get, get to work with these guys at different companies and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, I think, I think it shows, I think there's something in the way that, uh, that, that I talk and then there's something in the way that, that we operate at Swan and there's something in, in the first level of people that we kind of, you know, got on the team and who they knew and who they talked to. And it just became, I think really obvious, you know, it's for whatever reason, our communities are basketball veterans and firefighters. And I don't know why it's happened, but it's just been very <laughs> organic and it's just kind of happened that way. And I'm sorry, you guys are stuck with Dom Bay and the firefighters as <laughs> part of the Swan crew, but <laughs> oh, yeah, we love Josh, you know, all these guys, well, a lot of servers too. 
lot of, you yeah. got a lot of surfers. I think that's mostly John and, and his friends. But uh, yeah, it is, it is true. I mean, I, I did put a surfboard in the logo of uh, Pacific Bitcoin. So that happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's 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 natural. You've got people with a sense of duty and that are used to, uh, you know, having a mission to go after and being very creative and very diligent about uh, accomplishing that mission. And I think that just works really, really well with what we've got in front of us with Bitcoin. Right on. Shout out to Rob Koontz, Submariner. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a good time right now to maybe do our announcement. I want to kind of hand it over to Gabe because, you know, a lot of what we talked about is the mission and the purpose. And I think there are a lot of guys who get out of the military who, after they get back into the civilian world, they're a little confused about that. It doesn't mesh well. Uh, and they're, they're wondering why the hell did I do what I did? Why the hell did I, in some cases go overseas and do stuff that I'm not, you know, some things I'm proud of, maybe some things I'm not super proud of. Um, why did I do all this stuff? And having purpose and meaning going forward is pretty important the suicide rate amongst veterans is really high. So let's, let's go with Gabe. Gabe, you want to talk about a little bit um, what you're heading up and uh, let's go with the, with, let's go with the announcement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's like you were saying, Alex, we've, um, there are so many different um, challenges that a lot of veterans do encounter uh, when they're transitioning out of the military and, you know, that is, that's a factor, um, in all things at the same time, um, veterans bring a, a tremendous amount of quality and high caliber talent into any situation that, uh, that they're a part of. Um, we've got 16 and a half million of us in the U S alone, um, and approximately 200,000 more veterans are joining the civilian world every single year. Um, where I come from that that's pretty significant. And so, Many of us are coming out and there's a, there's a loss of that sense of purpose. Um, and it, it's like you said, Alex, there's, there's also that knowledge that the mission that we were looking for, that we sought to be a part of in the military, that mission, it wasn't real. It wasn't accomplished. And so we're coming out here. Many are pissed off. Uh, many are bitter. And, um, you know, for a lot of them, they, they find themselves in a tailspin. And end up ending up in places that are just um, not good, not good at all. And so that's the that's the the real importance of of Bitcoin that I discovered is that um, this is the mission for veterans to get plugged into. This is that mission of purpose and um, the community that can be found that is lost when they leave active duty, uh, regardless of what their experience in the military was like that loss of community is huge also. So that, um, that led me to, um, to put together, um, operation Bitcoin, um, created a nonprofit organization. Um, and we have three stages that we are executing. Um, the first stage is to educate, uh, veterans on in the ways of Bitcoin, um, prepare them to transact, to save, uh, to engage in the to engage in the mission, we've partnered with um, Me Premier Bitcoin uh, for their curriculum as the foundation. They've been extremely supportive 
Uh, we're also working on some digital formatting as well to deliver content. So education is, uh, is the first step of that, the first stage, if you will. But the thing is with, um, with a lot of veterans, of course, finding, finding jobs is a, is a factor as well. That's an element. And so the next stage of that is, uh, creating on ramps into careers in the Bitcoin space. And, um, this can look, uh, this can look several different ways, whether it's plugging them in with training opportunities that are, that are more specific to careers in Bitcoin, getting them connected with, uh, with, uh, recruiters and with jobs, cultivating the landscape and the environment within Bitcoin employers to prepare them to receive veterans, um, as employees there. And also partnering with, um, the skill bridge program, which, um, basically, military service members that are about that, that are up to six months away from their transition, they can do paid internships with companies that are willing to, to bring them in. And so the idea is to create on ramps within Bitcoin organizations in those ways. And something else that's extremely exciting that I'm, that, uh, that I think we're, none of us are strangers to, especially after the conversation we're having is that we find that a lot of, a lot of veterans are, are builders we're out here and we're looking to to create things. We're looking to change the landscape. We're looking to have a to have an impact. And so what we're doing is creating incubation programs that will um, guide, mentor, uh, create resources, plug in veterans who are interested in building organizations and building something in the Bitcoin space. We'll be there to support them and to get them started. So we've got those three stages of, you know, the first one, educate them so they're good to go, so they know what they're doing, so they understand Bitcoin. Um, and then for those that are looking for careers um, and for internships, get them going in the right direction. And then for those that are, you know, out there looking to build something, we're going to we're gonna show them the way. We're going to connect them with mentors. We're going to provide them with resources. We're going to incubate their businesses and get them started. Um, because the, the demand is there. And, um, I mean, first and foremost, I just want to thank, you know, everybody in this, in this space right now for, um, for just, for being such a huge part of this, man. I mean, for, for being that community, first of all, um, and for just, I mean, building this together, cause it's, it's awesome. I mean, this is the power of it right here. Um, being demonstrated by by this conversation that we're having right now. So thank each and every one of you for being a part of that because um, I mean this is what it's about. This is this is it. This is the mission. Um, and second of all, um, I want to thank Corey. We had a uh, we had a conversation um, and we talked about ways that Swan can support Operation Bitcoin, and um, Corey has has agreed to uh, have Swan offer a one-off donation to support our um, our, startup, our startup expenses, to support our launch as we build, because there's a lot going on and it, it requires a good deal of, uh, of resources. And Corey has offered uh, for Swan to partner with us in that regard. So thank you for that. That's going to be huge help. Um, in addition, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Corey has agreed for Swan to help us out with our visibility. Uh, with getting the message out there, and we know that the the signal is broad and the signal is loud, and so um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna plug in, and um, that's we're extremely excited about that um, because that alone is just it's huge, um, and I'm humbled um, uh, beyond beyond words at the 
at the um, at the engagement and the support, uh, Corey, that that uh, that you have offered with us. Um, in addition, um, offering um, creating the internship programs and the incubation businesses that we talked about, um, highlighting those on BitcoinerJobs.com. Uh, putting them out those again for the visibility part of things. That's going to not only that's going to support Operation Bitcoin. That's going to support the veterans that are coming through that are looking for careers, and also, which is tremendously important, that's going to support the business builders that are coming into the space. That's going to support these new veteran businesses that are coming in and making this thing happen and driving this mission forward. So, thank you, Corey, and thank you, Swan, for for engaging in this mission. Thank you for. Your your tremendous support of, of veterans in general, and uh, and for supporting Operation Bitcoin in this, um, I'm extremely grateful, man. And I'm looking forward to building this uh, with with your support. So thank you. Yeah, I mean it, it was the easiest yes that I've given in a long time. <laughs> I was like, you're continuing to go, and I was like, whatever else is on the list, like yes to that too. Just we're we're good. This sounds awesome. Um, yeah, quick note also on, uh, on, you mentioned Bitcoin or jobs, uh, you can post a profile there too. A lot of people don't realize that companies actually search the profiles on there and you can even post it anonymously. So if you have a job that you're in and you don't want to give all your info, you can just post your candidate profile on Bitcoin or jobs. And we look through those and search keywords and things like that as do a lot of other companies. So you don't just have to apply to currently available roles. You can just kind of make yourself available on Bitcoin or jobs. Um, but yeah, super excited to partner with you guys. Uh, I need to find out if there's anybody kind of in your, in your tight crew near the top of this thing that's uh, in SoCal. So maybe Alex, if you can check the yeah. roles and introduce me to somebody out here, we've got some, some lunches and dinners and events and things that I think should be, should have representation. Yeah, we'll do that. Awesome. And I do have a question for you, Corey, while we're, while I, while I got the mic, I guess, um, you had mentioned something at, uh, at Pacific Bitcoin, um, about people taking the opportunity to, to, to increase their signal, to really push the Bitcoin signal. And you, you even said flat out, you said, look, we need, we need more podcasts, go start a podcast. We don't have too many, get out there and let your voice be heard. Um, and since, I mean, we're talking so much about people that are, that are movers and shakers and people that get shit done. Um, so just for, I mean, just for your average person, you know, who's finding the mission, you know, a veteran basketball player, firefighter, or, you know, other, what can just, you know, what can a person do that says, look, I want to get out here. I want, I want to be a part of this. I want to spread the word. I mean, you know, we talked about the rallying cry. What would you say to somebody who says, look, I want to, I want to like spread the word in this thing. Um, what would you tell that person? Look, it just starts with with reading and listening. That's where it always starts. It starts with reading and listening. And once you once you get to that point where you put in, you know, five hours, you're ready for your first conversation. And once you start talking to people, then you get pointed in another direction and, and it kind of goes from there. And at some point in that first year, it never takes more than a year if you're really kind of spending a lot of time going deep on Bitcoin, you're ready to start contributing. And for some people, that's just being someone who spreads signal on Twitter, you know, or on Facebook or on LinkedIn, which is still around evidently. Um, 
<laughs> Nobody knows why. See that in your in your social network and whoever you have access to, and and just kind of spreading the word and, and amplifying the things that that resonate with you, uh, the pieces of content that that you like. Uh, and then if you decide that you want to take it a step further, you've got a little bit of practice finding signal, understanding what's important, what gets reception, and you're also sort of mapping out the landscape of ideas that are already out there. And you may go back and say, hey, there was this thing. This is kind of what I was talking about from the stage at Pacific Bitcoin. There may be this thing that was talked about plenty in 2013 or 14, and I've read about it. And I know how the social media algorithms work, and I know they only show new things and old things just get buried in the search results. And so that needs to be said again. Yeah. And that could just, that could be me writing about it in a slightly new way and adding my spin to it, but it could also just be ma making a new piece of content, like a, you know, a video or just an audio reading of something that already exists or just freaking, I I've done this before when I really like an article, I've probably done it a dozen times. I don't know why I don't do it more because it's super valuable. I'll just put it on Twitter the whole damn article, full attribution to whoever wrote it and thanking them and linking to it at the bottom or whatever. But I'll put the whole damn thing on Twitter because that's where people read. Yeah. You know, like there's there's nothing. If you're a distributor of ideas that you like, that can be just as valuable as yeah. being a person that that has the idea in the first place. If you're a synthesizer and a communicator that distills multiple ideas or clarifies ideas or shortens them, you know, if you can take a a Breedlove four-hour podcast and distill it into like the top five points and put that on Twitter in five tweets, like God bless you. That's amazing, right? Like do that. Um, so I, I just don't think there's any excuse for not contributing if you're so inclined. There's nothing stopping you and it will be valued. And don't be scared at all to directly ping and tag what you think are like big handles or OG Bitcoiners or whatever that is. You know, I, I got over that at some point when they started trashing me for having bad ideas. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that has now given me the right to ask them questions. So I don't, uh, you know, post something stupid next time, <laughs> you know, if they're bothering to reply to me, then I guess the door is wide open. Um, yeah. So don't be scared. It, you know, social media has a very, very short memory and you'll get good at it very very soon and also once you're good at it you'll look back four years later and say oh my god i was bad wasn't i <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's always a journey and as long as you're you know contributing i think you'll feel you'll feel good about about helping with the mission yeah you'll never you'll never learn until you start getting your hands dirty take your lumps figure it out and keep driving on and that's what veterans do yeah mm -hmm. Awesome, All right. Man. So I have one other announcement and I want to thank Corey again for this and that we're going to be doing a couple times a year. We haven't established the tempo yet, but Corey has agreed. We're going to be doing some fundraiser dinners at major sort of Bitcoin events where we're going to be raising money for Bitcoin veterans, which we are then going to use to drive into the various different initiatives that we are working on. And so I just want to thank Corey again for that. That's going to be awesome. I'd like to ask a question real quick too, in, in terms of uh, kind of parlaying the the last uh, question and answer into um, you, you've you've lifted people up in this space that you know have maybe just gotten started. You know whether they're writers or commentators or 
or, or coders or who whoever they are has this ever you know matured to the process where you, you've seen uh this person that you, you you've kind of helped get a start develop and, and lifted up and kind of given a platform to have they come back or have you ever had an experience where somebody is is kind of not only repaid it but kind of blossomed into this you know full fledged Bitcoin uh, maniac psychopath out there that uh, you, you want to highlight you know whether by name or, or anonymously either way. So it's not about getting paid back. It it never is like the that's the kind of pay it forward nature of this thing it, it doesn't work if it's transactional right because uh, it just it just keeping track of that is not a good way to live yeah you know so you just you just give 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 it's one of the only good things to come out of silicon valley culture but <laughs> 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 to get spread wide is is to to give 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 and it and it all comes back around but almost never to the ne almost never from the people that you gave to mm. um you know in my case, you know, I've been connecting people my whole adult life, just, just like nonstop. And I just get a ton of joy out of getting a text message and, you know, 2019 and it's, you know, two buddies that I introduced in 2006 and they're partying in Punta del Este or something. And they're like, Hey, we're together again. And we thought of you. And I'm like, fuck you guys but that's awesome <laughs> that's great congratulations <laughs> on your success that's awesome um so i think it's more like that i mean they, I, you know what i would say is i think that i and and now we as swan are, are really good at spotting talent and spotting people that we think have a good message and that we want to want to amplify and i get enough out of that just like the time that we're together is, is the reward, you know? So I think of, I mean, I just mentioned Rob, so he comes to mind, but like, you know, Breedlove wanted to start doing content and I kind of knew him from around LA, you know, going back to his uh, DLT days before he realized what Bitcoin was. And, uh, you know, he wanted to start doing a YouTube show and we saw the first cut of his Sailor series and we're like, first of all, great get, that's awesome. The conversation is fantastic. Uh, can we edit this for you? <laughs> <laughs> so we took over production for like the first six months or something like that until it was like a thing. And we produced the sailor series and we did it all for free in exchange for, well, I think he did a reader ad at the beginning of them. So like the first year of read love show has, uh, you know, it's like a swan reader, but you know, the whole point was I thought he was a good interviewer and he added good thoughts in alongside his guests. And it was like a voice that deserved to be amplified. And so we kind of wanted to do that. Uh, you know, similarly, like with Nat Brunel, you know, it just seemed like when you listen to her talk, she was very passionate about Bitcoin and it was real. And she was just getting absolutely fucking destroyed because of her, you know, accidental association with pomp. And <laughs> like, that wasn't really her fault. Because if you first get into the space, like it looks like he's a Bitcoin guy and you don't realize. Yeah. You don't really know any better. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. hard. It's hard to tell. Right. And so. Uh, I didn't think that was her fault that she got fooled and got screwed and thrown under the bus by him. Uh, so I thought it was, you know, important to give her uh, a different way to to reestablish herself. And I think we were obviously proven right because she's done nothing 
but great things in Bitcoin ever since. So obviously she wasn't a grifter. She just chose her first association wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think it's an easy yeah. mistake to make. Yeah, it's really hard. Like there's there's a lot of people that seem credible that a lot of people point to in the space, whether it's Andreessen Horowitz doing crypto, which, you know, them and Union Square Ventures and these guys, you know, fooled me back in 2017 and wasted a year of my professional life thinking that crypto mattered. And, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad noise out there that's that seems credible. Don't uh, shit when it's bad for you. Don't shake when it's bad for you. So, so that's okay. really it. You know, I mean, by the way, I've just had a conversation. Like, we'll be starting, uh, we'll be starting a new YouTube show from Swan soon, and uh, it's somebody that's had a podcast for less than six months, and the most downloads they've ever had on a show is three hundred. But I like them, and I like the topic that they're covering and I think they deserve to be amplified and we're going to put our production team behind it and send them a better microphone <laughs> and, get on the set design. <laughs> and we're going to have a new, a new show featuring this guy, you know, and right on. it'll be way, way bigger and we'll all know his name in a few months and, you know, hopefully he sticks around for a couple of years, but he might not, they don't always, but you know, get a lot of shots on goal. <laughs> Okay, so so what do you guys think? Is it is it story time? Is it time to introduce it's Corey? Story, to story time? time. I think it's got to be story what? time by now. Yeah, bring it. Awesome. Okay, so what is story time? Story time is this thing that we do with all of our guests, and what we do is a lot of these guys are are prior vet are, are they're veterans, right? They're prior military. So, some of them are, are combat vets. Some of them are not. It doesn't matter. Um, we ask them to tell us a story about a challenging experience they had in their journey um, that is now either funny or that you learned a really great lesson from. So you're, in my opinion, Corey, you're a warrior too. You're just a warrior in a different way. Like you are in a different battlefield. Like you're doing the whole VC business space, but you're no less a warrior. So the, the story that we want to ask from you is, can you tell us something that you've experienced in your business journey was incredibly challenging that is either now really fucking funny in hindsight hmm. or uh, you learned a great lesson from. Or both. Hmm. <laughs> All of the above. Oh, challenging, funny, learned a lesson from. Oh, boy. Maybe even embarrassing. Well, that would be the the cherry on top. Well, right? there was there was some interesting uh, clubhouse stuff back in the day. I remember that. Well, okay, weren't you a shit pointer? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Alex! How did, how, did that, how did that change? What was your story there? So, oh, so you. listen. Oh, so, I, I I will say first of all. Beautiful introduction, nice and flowery. Alex likes flowers. I am less of a warrior. There are actual warriors, and there are people that uh, use the uh, use the language of being a warrior to uh, sell business concepts. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the latter category. So thanks to you, real warriors. Um, so, man, that was that was actually an interesting time. The clubhouse time was interesting that first 11 months in, uh, in shit coins was yeah. interesting. I'm trying to think of something that like, I haven't already talked about a ton on podcasts before, uh, but nothing's really popping to mind. Um, 
Give us an oldie but a goodie. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like, uh, I'm trying to think of like getting fired or something like that. I've been fired a couple of times. I'm wondering if any of those are actually funny or not. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably get yelled at. I've been yelled at before. You've been yelled at? <laughs> so uh, where should I go with this? Let's see. Um, hmm. You guys just keep staying silent because mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's fun to be pensive and it's actually. Think <laughs> that, I mean, I'm, once I get rolling, it's going to be like shut the fuck up, right? So I might as well at least choose something. <laughs> this, so, by the way, is get a like refill. <laughs> yeah, get a refill. Go, go top off the whiskey. Um, hey, what's wrong with laying on the pressure a little like bit? You said you were going to be done at five fifteen. Like, get out of here. Yeah, just like, hold on. Yeah, quit that. <laughs> There, I'm back. Can't see your, can't see your window. Um, okay, let's do true story. Oh, this will be fun. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna think about. Uh, let's do the time that I tried to start a restaurant nightclub in Chicago. That'll be fun. Oh, like deep in, <laughs> deep in the archives. Haven't uh, we all? Yeah, haven't we all tried to start a restaurant nightclub in Chicago? Deep in, <laughs> um, deep in the archives. So, okay. So how did this, how did this all start? So I, I had, I was in business school in Chicago from 2002 to 2004 after being in New York for a few years. So I came out to Chicago for B school and I really enjoyed, you know, nightlife and going out and partying. And, and I realized like there were people that actually started nightclubs and they started restaurants and real estate developments. And they would often have people that, you know, helped, helped find the money for that. And there's a way that you can, you know, structure these things to have finder fees without being a registered broker dealer because you like, you know, only dealing with accredited people and you take your payment in a certain way and things like that. And so I started kind of getting my, my, my feet wet in the world of fundraising back when I was still in B school. So this is probably, probably 2004, right before I graduated from B school. So I started raising money for some nightclubs, some restaurants, some movies, a real estate fund, things like that. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was fun, right? You're just out socializing and you're kind of whining and dining and I'm using some of my business school pitch skills cause I'm putting together presentations and, you know, spreadsheet financial models and things like that. And just kind of being like a, a really shitty JV banker basically. Uh, but the most fun thing was like meeting the people decided if you wanted to work with them and, you know, sort of giving some access to your network and then also taking it out and, and meeting some other people. So there was a, a guy who I think was from North Carolina. I think he was a Tar Heel and he'd been out in LA opening nightclubs for a few years out here. And he moved to Chicago and decided that he wanted to bring one of these Hollywood nightclubs to Chicago. And it was a very limited scope. It was supposed to be one of these like square rooms with the DJs and like, that was it. And it was going to be, you know, probably like a 500 or maybe a million dollar build out. And I got some people to put in, you know, not even much money, 150 grand, maybe 300 grand, something like that um, into that raise completely forgot about it. Things seemed like it was never going to happen. I'm back working for the aforementioned uh, Black Beast McKenzie in New York post B school. And meanwhile, this thing has evidently spiraled into something much, much bigger and is now like a nightclub restaurant with a Michelin star chef and a $5 million build out. And it's on the river in Chicago over by Navy Pier. 
and you know is going to have this giant solarium lounge in the back that's kind of like a nightclub and they got a dj booth and it's just this like adult fantasy playground and i was like <laughs> not really digging you know waking up at 4 a.m on mondays and flying to fucking denver and coming back at like 1 a.m thursday night exhausted you know this is this consulting thing is probably kind of stupid uh it might be fun to move back to chicago and be part of opening up this nightclub restaurant <laughs> so anyway i thought about it i uh i I, I hedged my bets a little bit. I started a, a consulting firm uh, that would keep on doing growth strategy work for PE firms and stuff like that. And, and so I launched that with a, bu a buddy from business school, but I did it from Chicago. So I could also be the marketing guy opening up this nightclub restaurant. Uh, I'm going to take bets now. Okay. <laughs> from opening night, calendar days, not, not weekdays, calendar days, months, years, whatever uh from opening night how many days was i still associated with this restaurant nightclub before i was fired how, how old were you uh okay this was 06 so i think i just turned 29 so jv banker 06 what's what's the over under here guys like are we, we philip says one year randy kelly says three years Wait, Randy Kelly has adjusted that to three right. days. You said three, yeah, I was going to say three weeks. I was going to say three said you, were, you said you were 26 at the time. I'm going to go with 26 days. Rob Soon says 10 days. I said three weeks. Yeah, I did. 21 days. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Is 21, 21 days. days. There there is. That's a good Holy number. Shit. Oh, by the way. There we go. episode 21. Yep. A lot of 21s going on right now. Kind of on oh man. Mm. So by the way, that's not an accident. We we especially wanted to do this with you, Corey, on episode 21. So thank you. Really? 21 days. So I was there for 21 days. And basically what happened <laughs> is uh, a good thing you had. So it was this guy, he was about a six foot six, probably 300 pounds. I still don't know to this day if he was actually an ex-Marine as he claimed or if it was a lie because uh, a lot of other things he talked about were lies. So this guy basically bought into the deal and became the majority partner, putting the guy that I had backed into the minority position and putting my investors into a position of very little power and very little transparency into what was going on. And it didn't seem... Right. Something was off about this guy. Didn't know what was going on. Nothing really made sense. I couldn't get transparency into the books. I couldn't get my investors questions answered. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this thing about me from having watched me in the Bitcoin space the last few years, but like, I really, really, really don't like scammers. I really don't. No, <laughs> I really, I huh. really don't yeah. take no for a fucking answer. <laughs> if I think that the answer is yes and vice versa and i will just go and go and go and go so anyway really your uh, twitter activity wouldn't suggest that yeah really right yeah anyway <laughs> bit, of, bit of a honey badger when it comes to that shit like i will keep attacking and you can't really hurt me um so anyway so i i just basically was attacking this dude trying to get him to like show me the books because I didn't fucking like he just wasn't being transparent and he had some of my people's money and I didn't like it. And uh, so, yeah, I think it was like a Saturday night and I was pissed again and uh, 
<laughs> he threw me into a wall <laughs> okay. and, uh, and fired me and, and I walked out and then, uh, he was in jail within a year for fraud. All the money they had put into the restaurant he had gotten from uh, West of, uh, did you a favor in a fake jet leasing scam. Uh, he was actually not part of the Hyatt family, despite his legal last name being Hyatt, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just life lessons, man. Sometimes being fired so, by a scammer is a good thing. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, yeah. I wonder if I would have lasted 21 days at Celsius if I had gone to work there. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think, a, I don't think a whole lot of people like norm, normies, I don't think a whole lot of people are actually aware of how many like, operational scams there are out there today that are like masquerading as legit businesses oh it's so like, many so bad i was gonna say i have one quick question that i i don't you may not want to answer we might have to just segue out of this so be prepared shane um <laughs> you mentioned earlier or well actually alex did that you work for mckenzie and I'm interested if while we have you, because this would just be an interesting story. Yeah. If you have any stories you could tell from that period, because there's a really interesting book that's out there that kind of goes in the background of it. Um, and there's another one out that Preston told us about last week called The Fund, which was about Bridgewater. That one seemed very like hush hush. No one talks about it. A lot of NDAs, which you might have had at McKinsey. But I'm just wondering is there a story you could tell from McKinsey that would shed some light on anything? Uh, you know, the, the human mind always wants to look for somebody that controls everything. Like we're almost more comfortable that way. And it's kind of like, yeah. you know, each, each decade or each generation or each crisis needs it's, it's bad guy, you know? And so it's, you know, it's Matt Taibbi writing about the, the, you know, the, the squid on the face of the global economy. And that was Goldman Sachs. And then it's McKinsey or it's, you know, the Masons or, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's always this tendency to try to, to try to, in our minds, concentrate a lot of power and intent in an entity that can be like the bad guy in some way. And that's not probably the case but i also haven't read the book so i don't know, really know what the thesis is i did watch the john oliver episode which i'm assuming was probably based probably because this book or these books came out so maybe it was similar to that so i can at least react to that uh you know there's there's good work being done there and there's bad work being done there and i've seen people doing both you know i got there in i got there two years after enron in the no. New York, in the New York oh. office, and the New York, <laughs> the New York office basically was, you know, largely the Enron. Most of the Enron team from McKinsey was was from the New York office. There were 250 McKinsey consultants operating on an entire floor wow. of the Enron building. Damn. And I think, <laughs> I, you know, at least two of their senior executives were former McKinsey. And so you can you can you can say, oh. You can cherry pick the data and say, oh, there's these McKinsey people, but it's also like, you know, over a hundred of the Fortune 500 CEOs are ex McKinsey, right? Yeah. So, like, there's always going to be a bunch to draw from. And there were, you know, other consultants from Booz or 
Bain or BCG or KPMG or like whatever, any of the accounting firms and any of every large company that has been evil or fraudulent has had a bunch of these firms working there, Deloitte, Accenture, whatever. Um, so I just think that's just kind of more, you know, there's never data in these books that say like, Hey, it stands out and it's, you know, a directly result of, you know, McKinsey having been there that these things were shitty or something like that. It just seems like more trying to string together a story based on some, some anecdotes. So that's the, that's the, you know, wannabe statistician in me that actually has taken a lot of upper level stats and can spot bullshit. That's the journalist in me that used to be, you know, used to be a journalist and I was really into stats. And so like my main thing, my main skill, in life, if I have one, is spotting bullshit. Bullshit detector. Like I just Long bullshit detector. Just don't fucking buy that thesis. I haven't read the book, but I'll probably just wouldn't read it or put much into it. I just there wasn't there wasn't anything particularly nefarious more than anything else going on in American capitalism. Is all I will say. No, I think that actually is a good summation of its general point. How it came across, like it doesn't seem nefarious, but there was some shitty stuff going on you know there's that exists everywhere it, it is and i think but i think that is wrapped into you know the system that was created by the industrialist tycoons slash philanthropists in the late 1800s and the early 1900s which is the fed it's the shitty education system it's industrialization of food and the creation of food brands like so many of these different things kind of happened around the same time and they're just kind of like there's going to be two sides of the coin when something changes and the discovery of how to put fossil fuels to work for us and the discovery of like an industrial system came with a flip side of the coin of a lot of people being convinced that humans were inputs like the other inputs. And we have to undo the bad ideas that reverberated and spread throughout society ever since, you know, and it's just, it's going to be a while. Because, but the answers are there and the answers are in old books. We know how this shit's supposed to be. It's yeah. just kind of a rediscovery of human nature and looking to the, looking to the elders and the knowledge that's been passed down and stop looking to the new from the late 1800s and the early 1900s, you know, and, it, and, and I know, I know that a lot, maybe I can, maybe I have a spidey sense about what's evil. Cause I, I was there where it all kind of was created, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of this stemmed out of university of Chicago, right? That's where management consulting came from. It's where the, all the, the newfangled teaching, all of that actually started at university of Chicago before they then made the focal point Columbia teachers. So a lot of this stuff kind of comes from, from that system of thought. There's also amazingly intelligent, beneficial thought that has come and contributions that have come out of, even the same people, <laughs> but they got a lot of things wrong, you know, like yeah. there were like massively power eugenicists in high seats of power through the seventies that we're still dealing with, you know, it's, it's, it's bananas. How, how new and immature this society is and how far we have to go. And to think that we're like done in some way, with figuring out a better way to be and a better way to eat and a better way to live and a better way to organize our economy. Like we can do so much and, you know, to wrap it all up, like that's, 
I just see very little point in working on any of those individual problems separately when Bitcoin is going to change so many of those things, make so many of them dramatically better and create a new set of problems, but it'll be a smaller set of problems and the problems won't be as bad. And we will have a better system with which to organize, not even have to organize. We'll have a better system to attack the remaining problems or the smaller, newer problems because we have Bitcoin coordinating the activity and, and we'll be better equipped to sort of tackle what comes next. But yeah, we solve the most problems for the most people by redoing society with Bitcoin as the base layer. Hell yeah. God dang. Holy. Awesome. I wanted to swear was, so bad. That was, oh. a, that was a really good that was that was like that was actually such a good little rant, Corey. Like you made me just realize that the like the fiat American system is structured very similarly to a helicopter. Like it's just it's built to be constantly trying to rip itself apart, and we're just trying to like. <laughs> I was like, "Where is he going?" <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking spot fucking on. aviation mechanic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Two transmissions. What a motor. man! What a great show this has been. Holy shit, man! Like. Guys, like, let's throw it Great around the horn. Closing thoughts. Uh, I, I'm flabbergasted. Go ahead, though. I mean, just whoever wants to start. Shit. I just want to say thanks, Corey, for coming on. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, also appreciate the takes on some some curveballs here, just because that's yeah. what the show is. A lot of curveballs. So thank you for coming on and talking. It's been great getting to know you. Yeah, you guys too. And I apologize for the the quick departure here, but I've got to go pick up my daughter from dance class. All right. <laughs> uh, we always we always we remind all of from the wife. We remind all of our we will guys talk about, about you behind your back. family first. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Thank okay. Bye bye. Awesome. Well, now that it's just us girls, you know. Like, yeah. What a fucking. I oh. mean, seriously, that last piece right there was Damn. fun great yeah have to go back and listen to that one again man that was some good shit jordan cut that shit up man i'm already <laughs> thinking like we're not even going to bed until i cut this thing thing holy shit i got Damn. oh i got plans guys i have got i mean seriously to, to take a lot of the stuff that we've done in the 21 shows that we have right now holy shit like between the last the last two shows and it's not just the last two shows i mean we had Randy Kelly and all these other amazing people that have been in this space to, to have the distilled knowledge, the fun, the, the interjection into not only the veteran community, but also the Bitcoin community, just Holy fuck. Like, like I feel like we're just holding on with like, like white knuckles. Like we've, we've grabbed the stallion out in the middle of fucking Prairie and it's like <laughs> you guys gonna go over you, like you're, you're gonna do it too right and you're like yeah we're gonna do it and you're like let's 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 go over there and grab some fucking horses and like you snuck up on some horses one day and you grabbed them by the goddamn mane and you, you like you're like that's my motherfucker right there and this whole thing like i'm 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 like i'm not kidding like this this has just been the the most wild experience i mean despite the algorithms despite the, the the throttling despite everything that's going on with you know the the technocrats and everything else out there this group cannot be denied 
holy fucking shit what an amazing ride to just be white knuckled on the back of this amazing stallion and this bitcoin veteran that is just absolutely you just taking off into the fucking universe i mean holy shit great job to the entire community hold the fuck on uh, straight bourbon whiskey that I'm drinking, but I, I don't know. Like, it's you're, a little you're bit right on point, man. I don't know. Right on point. I don't know if it's the whiskey. No, I felt the same thing before Alex started talking about all the missions that we're conducting. I wanted to interject and and say if I had known when y'all said, "Hey, you guys want to start a podcast?" that we were gonna start like a a startup company that was gonna be going balls to the wall in the first four months. I'd have been like, no, I'm too busy for that. Fuck you. But but, but here we are. You wrote me in, motherfuckers. Importantly, to be clear, it ain't about us. It's about yeah. all you guys out there. All of you big guys who are part of the Bitcoin Veterans Mission, stepping up, action-oriented, no bullshit, not sitting on your asses, driving this friggin' thing forward. It ain't us. We're just talking about it. You guys are the ones making it happen. Hell yeah. yeah. We we like we like planted the flag and then you guys just arrived and we're like, how can we help? <laughs> like <laughs> nothing, nothing but total respect for all you guys. Hell Thank yeah. You. And that's the way that it goes, man. I mean, we show up and we fucking we do it. You know, I was listening to um the, the um, way of men. Um, I think a lot of us have been reading that and listening to it, and they were talking about or he was talking about how you know, it's not always, there you go. It's not always the strongest, smartest, but it, the, the, the ones it's the ones that freaking step up and do it. Okay. Yep. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the strongest. You just get up and fucking do it. Yeah. That's what's happening here. And that's what we see in all of these groups and in this larger group entirely of Bitcoin veterans is people that are stepping up and fucking doing it. Yeah, that's how we make it. Happen. We, we need we need the Shia LaBeouf like yeah clip. Oh, just do it. Look, ideas are bullshit. Everybody has ideas, and the 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 reality is, lots of people are having the same fucking idea you are at the same time. What really matters yeah. is who executes. That's what matters. God, signal a hundred fucking percent. Like Jesus effing christ like I, I, he was a good man don't get me wrong but i mean i am i am over there's a clip i am uh i'm over clip the that one clip right now with, with, with the excitement of what's going on yeah make that shit a clip i mean <laughs> i mean this this group, I mean, do you guys understand? Let's just take a second. I don't give a shit if we run a little bit long. Um, Bitcoin go. Veterans has now done a little more decentralization. And I think this is important to understand. I don't care if you're in the Midwest. I don't care if you're in the Deep South. I don't care if you're in the Northeast, the Midwest. The I've already said Midwest. It's a probably different country. that important. If you're in the West Coast or the, the Northwest or the Southwest or wherever you are, the Central Plains, man, we've got you covered. If you want to be part of this shit, if you want to be part of this amazing movement, if you got ideas, if you've got some tenacity, if you want to just move and shake and do some adoption 
on another level. Like, we got you. Get in touch with us. We will plug you into this community. Whatever your gift is to humanity, we want to understand that. We want to understand what your passion is. We want to understand what your mission is. We want to understand what your community is. And we want to help you grow that big, orange, amazing future that is there for all of us. Unfreaking believable what what's going on and now i say that as one of five guys up here is just like you guys are doing something that has i don't know been done rarely in history you you are you're a fraction of a percentile of this world's population and i say that as you know like i don't give a shit about boundaries i don't give a shit about this understanding of you know fake imaginary lines on maps and all that other bullshit like that's the libertarian coming out on me. And it's just this, this amazing thing that is Bitcoin has pushed this to a forefront that is being carried by men that don't give a shit about toxic masculinity. They don't care about people that are calling them names. They don't care about all the, 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 the trappings that come along with everything that wants to emaciate men. Like there's a, there's just such a solid foundation here that we have to continue to nurture. We have to continue to provoke that. We have to continue to like give the kindling to, to light the spire. And this is, this is the beautiful thing about Bitcoin and veterans being together is this is it. You guys are the, the alphas. You guys are, I don't want to say the omegas because we're all about peace, but at the end of the day, for God's sakes, like this group, is one of those groups that's going to go down, I think, in history as making a profound difference in the outcome of the human species. And that is not to be under, you know, undercut by anybody. Amazing job for everybody that's out there, that everybody's contributing, that everybody's pitching in, that everybody's doing some orange pilling at their local level. Fucking amazing people. I think that's a good a good point to God to damn. wrap that up on, man. That was that was that, that was a send off. All right, power. Ten seconds. Last comment. Most important mission we've ever had. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Oh man, this is not the right <laughs> song. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love yeah, how he started great. playing that while he was talking it's a great about song, the club. Not bad. I will. I mean, Even now that Corey has been on record with this, I think. I, th- I think for the rest of the shows, we got to we got to bring him in for this. You know, like I think this has got to be his intro song for for the last. I don't know, little bit of our our time here tonight. <laughs> Hey, thanks for everybody tuning in. If you're out there, like, subscribe, turn on the notification bell, all that kind of stuff. This is Bitcoin Veterans. Uh, thank you to Alex Sanzik, Gabe Lord, Mike Hobart, and I'm going to bring Jordan back in because I don't know at the last second he has uh, he dipped out. But uh, also Jordan, uh, Gambrell, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you guys for taking the ride with us and Orange Pill and the fuck out of everybody out there hey gabe good job on uh well done sir 
Thanks, brother. I I'm love you guys. Incredible. I'm going to have you run my legal Zoom from here on out, my man. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got you back. <laughs> Bitcoin veterans, peace. We're out of here.